0: kane winstead hello
1: internet i'm matthew dergish
0: and you're listening to the untold talks of spider-man a podcast about deep cuts forgotten classics and what it truly means to be a spider-man story matt why don't you tell us what our fourth episode of like Sands in the hourglass is going to be
1: well it is 2003s Peter Parker Spider-Man numbers 56 and 57 written by Zeb Wells art by the legendary Sam Keith colors by Avalon and lettered by Randy Gentile
0: yeah, yeah. Avalon. I, I guess it's just like a mononym. Um, Might be a group.
1: This is the era where, like, color groups were particularly big. Like, Udon was doing a lot of colors for Marvel and stuff like that, so it makes sense that mm-hmm. there'd be another
0: yeah, one. Yeah. All right. Um, so... So this one is the, the Sandman Reborn, or I think, I think it's just called Reborn. But whenever you say Reborn, I, I always think of the Daredevil story. So I'm going to call it Sandman Reborn. Um, speaking of being Reborn, where could we rebirth ownership of this comic
1: wow that was a sharp segue uh (laughs) so as i said um peter parker uh 56 and 57 is on marvel unlimited you can also find it on comiXology for two bucks an issue it is also collected in the trade peter parker spider-man senseless violence which is going for 13 bucks digitally or three dollars for a physical copy on amazon plus shipping i assume (laughs)
0: yeah probably and
1: then uh individual issues are going to be undercover price for this one you could probably find it in like a bin somewhere
0: yeah especially since it's peter parker spider-man um this one i i was able to pull out of just a bin just they didn't they didn't they didn't even bother to like organize or sort peter parker spider-man they're just like it's we just immediately throw those in the the value bin so
1: gotcha cool so all do you right. want to give us a little context to this issue because a little bit's happened with sandman since we've seen him on his beachfront last
0: right so there, there's there's one story really that's in between this one and peter Parker's spider-man 2 or i'm sorry peter parker spider-man 22 uh where so you, you know thinking all the way back to last uh last episode we end that story with sandman collecting himself on the beach Um, The next Sandman story shows him trying to, like, wrestle with reforming his psyche and his consciousness and having difficulties with with that until, like, MTV or, like, the MTV stand-in comes in and has, like, a beach blowout, like, bonanza kind of deal. Sandman then, like, uses that to kind of, like, form his psyche using, like, he, like, halfway possesses people sort of and kind of like grabs their psyche and and basically the the issue is kind of sandman wrestling with trying to reform himself and having difficulties doing that ultimately he fails his his you know psyche shatters and he falls back into the beach Um, which then kind of brings us back into this issue where we kind of have like a typhoid Mary-esque Sandman, but we'll get in that in just a little bit. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add, Matt?
1: Uh, I mean, that's really what happens. The biggest thing I'd add is we've kind of shifted the perception of Sandman with the last handful of stories he's got from being more of like this crazy supervillain with sand powers to really being portrayed as kind of a horror story and yeah there's a lot of body horror like this idea that he's possessing people but having this kind of malignant personality as well and then the story that we're gonna have here is a separate kind of horror story as well just it's an era
0: right it's an era yeah we've definitely moved away from flint marco the you know the heavy who knocks over banks and you know chomps cigars and you know, acts as like a superpowered thug, and moved on to more like Sandman, the like psychological horror, and you know, generally broken person.
1: Right, you're not finding this guy get into a bar fight with Thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we've we've moved far far past that marvel two-in-one story where we started from all right okay so yeah yeah so so this story opens out okay well i I guess before we even talk about the 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 con like the, the the story in itself we need to talk about like the comic uh as as matt mentioned at the top of the episode this is drawn by sam keith Keith. I uh, i'm not sure exactly it's Kite. k-i-e-t-h instead of k-e-i-t-h so i assume you would pronounce it Kith, but I, I i don't know well whatever we'll, we'll keep saying Kite good old sammy you, what
1: good old sammy in this art the max <laughs> the max is what he's known for yeah yeah he, he's most known is.
0: for the max so the art here is unconventional to say the least for a marvel superhero you know book it's very scratchy it's dark um you know it's uh i i can't think of the exact word i'm looking for um but characters do not stay on model exaggerated um it, not not uh, but but yeah yeah so so i i it really lends to the the unease of this story and and kind of like what you were saying matt about it being like more horror ish um the art the art definitely adds to that element of the story and adds to that 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 um uncanny feeling i think that this is supposed to be pulling
1: right well so and i also want to note here this was sam keith the last Sandman story with the weird MTV possession thing going on was also by a more unconventional, more indie comics artist, uh Mafood? method Um, I'm not the guy who's known for the clerks comics and did a bunch of he kind of made a brand around it, Girl Scouts. And it's a very different thing. And it these are not like how Spider-Man comics look before or since, and having these kinds of artists coming in to tell these bizarre stories with Spider-Man was showing a very weird time where marvel comics was taking a lot of risks and willing to pull talent uh from different areas to let things go in a way that i don't think you could have either of those guys on a spider-man comic anymore without it being some weird off-brand thing
0: right i mean we, we got to think back to our second episode on marvel knights and this is a direct continuation of of that idea that was started out with marvel knights where uh big brass for Marvel's pulling in from the indie indie market and trying trying just to see what sticks what will what will happen when they give, you know, Sam Keith rain on Spider-Man. And yeah, it's in like the third st- the third tier book. Uh, you know, the Peter Parker Spider-Man. Uh this is this is well into the JMS run at this point. Um so it's it's not the main focus like it was earlier in its run where it was more or less the main title just back and forth with amazing spider-man at this point eyes were off of it so it had a little bit more freedom to run
1: right and it just feels like this story is supposed to be this inconsequential deal because this is very much the b-book at this point for the way they framed everything did it and the way this story is done it, it's kind of bizarre that it's kind of a big deal for a major character in the universe but it's handled the way it is here
0: yeah, which I, I, I feel like I'll, we I'll should take issues with too. inconsequential but uh
1: yeah no i mean and you should because it's not it's ultimately not inconsequential it has major ramifications for the character and the continuity going forward but it's hard to parse that while you're reading it
0: okay well let's 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 expand that a little bit by and, and let's let's jump into the actual story itself right now so th- the story opens up with spider-man uh t- it's a very metatextual opening um it, it's kind of talking about putting things off until the last minute and then but one day that minute's gonna going to arrive and simultaneously we have A like he's watching self-help infomercials and he comes across one that kind of starts speaking to him about finding yourself and treating your inner child well and maybe even going to the beach. And and of course, like this all kind of lines up with what happens later in the comic. He even uh, Spider-Man even makes uh, mention about something about like synchronicity uh, beforehand, you know, before all these events kind of it's anyway, it's a cute quote unquote way to start a story because it starts with like. The, the brooding kind of hero monologue but instead of like in in the way you're reading it it seems like spider-man's really like pulling a batman but instead like he's talking about his uh his suit
1: so when you say pull a batman what do you mean
0: well okay so he's saying like it starts out by saying like i meet the gays denying the appeals to my responsibility and their voices become a hideous course accusing me destroyer ruiner render i steal myself knowing the horrible price i must pay for peace and like but he's talking about looking at his like suits that have all been torn up and he's like holding a sewing needle he's like this is gonna suck i have to sit here and sew all day and i don't want to so, like, it, it has that, like, gritty, hard-boiled, um, you know, and I'd I, I say pulling a Batman, a shorthand for the kind of, like, dark and torturous, uh, or dark and tortured the hero monologue. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that is part of the opening. The other opening is us seeing this fetus-looking thing slowly evolve into a clearly sandman looking creature that is a child but quickly becomes like a child not a baby
0: right uh, so yeah i mean that that's that's where the the title reborn is is from so it's coming directly off that past sandman story that we we didn't cover um where sandman kind of melts into the sand and then tries to reform and then this is this is the the reformation the rebirth and the the literal rising from the ashes um or i guess not literal but it's, you know it's it's a beach instead of ashes hold on
1: what's interesting though is that as soon as this child sandman is formed as uh, the main of flint marco the just uh, mature adult mode like ties his belly button in a knot so he has this weird Audi that looks ripped that just kind of gets put under his shirt again eventually but that's implying that he basically gave birth to this like to his own inner child is the way that it's presented in the comic but he keeps referring to that other entity as himself as we go through the story
0: right and and that's played for a few kicks occasionally um but yeah so you get you have the inner child and then you have kind of like the william baker like the good side of sandman and they're they're on a beach and uh, the police arrive because there are, I think, reports of a child, uh, or no, the reports of a sighting of Sandman. And, you know, the police arrive and it's. A, oh, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, Let me just. Okay. No, no, the police do arrive. So, yeah, the, the police arrive and get spooked by, like, the large Sandman and that that's where that's where spider-man jumps jumps in in the story um meanwhile on a separate piece of beach another sandman uh awakens or is born or however you want to describe it and this guy oh my god let's talk about the body horror here uh this is like the the evil side of sandman the the flint marco if you will um he he is like his eyeball is like constantly falling out of his skull like he, like he's got all these jagged teeth like he's drawn super disfigured um
1: he'd be the flint marco to the william baker though is kind of the odd thing that i think they're trying to get at, but don't explicitly say
0: well yeah they, they never explicitly stay say it but uh, i know i know in the second issue uh when talking to like the good side um spider-man refers to him as baker uh i don't know if he ever refers to this evil side as marco i can't i can't remember that but uh, that uh, that's clearly kind of the what they're going with and that that will play into some discussion later um when we talk about the end but yeah so right now the players we have are the, the the inner child and the william baker and then on the other side of the beach, we have like a, a murderous and evil Flint Marco who kind of starts, uh, starts running amok. Basically, I mean, the other way you could look at this is we have the id uh, presented by the evil Marco, and then the ego. You okay? Don't roll your eyes because like <laughs> they specifically say this at the end of the comic.
1: I mean, the thing is, they go beyond that, though. You're right, they do, but it's like pop psychology and they're mixing their psychological bits. And what's weird, too, is each one of these is you're going between like born or comes up. I I felt like manifested was the best way to think about this because you have the initial Sandman, who I guess is the one whose soul is at stake or personality we're trying to sort. And then the inner child comes up because he's trying to reclaim himself and so you go back to your origin to try to figure out your roots and then you have this kind of evil side because that's the other side that we're that's brought out by having all this aggression and how the people are seeing him they're seeing that Mm sandman and so that's brought out Um, and then as we continue we get different sides of the character and each one is kind of in a response or reaction to what's needed to move forward it seems like but maybe not not every idea here i think is fully baked or thought out
0: right well i i I guess you know the the final player who who comes comes onto the the scene at the end of this is the the feminine side of william baker um which i i I, you you look at it as both the, the feminine side because it it's presented as as you know a femme or the emotional side which will you know that that's something i don't really want to get into uh as far as as those conflations but um
1: well it's ah, they play it so weird they try to play it for laughs so there's some you know fun i don't know if you want to call masturbation jokes or sex jokes at this point
0: well there is like a moment of like weird sexual tension between (laughs) the uh spider-man and the uh, like the 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 feminine side of sandman where like like he's like comforting like he puts his arm around her to comfort her and she like touches his hand and then the william baker persona is like can can you not hold my hand and and then like he gets in an argument with himself because i mean that's the way the conversation is framed is that like all these are aspects of himself and he refers to them as in the first person um
1: right I. Yeah, it it is done that way. It, it's weird because on one hand, this whole like persona going back and forth with each other. Also, I want to note it's weird that his feminine side has a different hair color than he does. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, eh, it's just weird to me. But she um, still
0: has like the corn, like the like the tootsie roll hair. Like, like, uh, if you look at like, our, like, right at Under. Uh, her s- scalp line, like it, she still has like the the textured uh, hair. But
1: she has like a bun
0: over it. Or yeah, something. well, yeah, and then she's got like a big, like, sophisticated top ponytail kind of deal. Anyway,
1: uh, yeah, Sandman's hair super important. <laughs> um, I just. So it's weird because this personality play is a lot like what you'd get with about any multiple man story, all this different play between them and all that. So we have a lot of stories with this kind of like fractured persona speaking to each other. We've gotten in different ways with different characters throughout the years. Um, And this is a very kind of... uh, it's not explicitly i want to say christian but it definitely has a lot of like christian values baked into it in a weird way and it read very similar to a number of like spawn comics i've read which i i know it's a weird tie just this felt very much like a spawn story to me especially partially cuz the art being the way it is where characters aren't held to the rules of physics or what their character design is but just kind of whatever is going to be rendered in that frame. So things are exaggerated to make a point for whatever's being said at the moment. Mm -hmm. Very, very cartoony, very, very in the vein of like, you know, more adult comic from the or adult cartoon from the early nineties. Very weird space. And also to pull another weird sideline, like this is the Sandman story that is most similar to the more famous DC Sandman character. I say more famous for DC's Sandman because there's a number well, yeah, of them I over mean, there no, it's,
0: too. That's Neil Gaiman's. Like most people refer to that. This is magnum opus. So
1: yeah, with good reason. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, and so this is just this is just a super weird comic. I felt like they were playing with a lot of stuff that they didn't really uh, understand what they were playing with. I guess it just <laughs> felt very haphazard very
0: uh, random oh, oh i want to backpedal just a second well you, you said that this had a, like some christian themes or imagery i, I didn't really oh, pick no, no, that no. up
1: not not themes or imagery but like the the moralizing of how they're viewing these different sides or what was good or bad be- was very like okay, in yeah. that vein in a way that a lot of kind of these more moralizing comics from the 90s were at the time like spawn would be although spawns obviously the imagery's there too yeah okay
0: I, I think that that's where you'll Lost me because like that's uh, fair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. No. No. I, I'm. I'm on board now. So I mean. Uh, so th- this first issue is. Is this first issue is mostly just set up for the the second issue and how things, you know, turn about and and all, all. It's it's putting all the set pieces on the board. So let's let's go ahead and just move to the the big confrontation and like the second half of the second issue where. We have all the Sandmans together. The evil Flint Marco Sandman has made like sand dogs. He's and is attacking. uh, You know, he he's attacking Spider Man and the other Sandmans. Mm -hmm. And um, we we eventually, I mean, we we come to a head, and, and he really kind of starts speaking to what this whole Sandman arc has been, and it's about. Sandman's conscious versus who he is as a person it's you know is Sandman's conscious is is he holding holding back the the evil Sandman or is he is he the one in the pilot seat so is <laughs>
1: No, this is a hard comic to parse. Uh, right. it, it, it's, it, it reads kind of like a fever dream. The background never seems to be fully rendered after a point in the story. Like We're in this weird space where the Sandman... So again, like you were saying, those sand dogs that are attacking, they make a big deal about the Sandman saying, why am I doing this? Why am I hurting myself? Mm-hmm. And there's a weird play with these Sandman characters talking to each other, kind of sometimes as different enemies and sometimes as the same character, and recognizing their aspects it's
0: uh right so like so there's there's a scene where we've got the flint evil evil sandman punching the good sandman and he's saying like i could never measure up to my idea could i uh but if my perfect little self didn't exist then what makes you think it does now so it, it, the idea is is Sandman kind of wrestling with his identity and wrestling with these impulses to do good and these impulses to do evil and which one is the true self, which one is the true William Baker Flint Marco. And, and that, that's kind of what this comic is wrestling with. And then ultimately we end up with the evil flint marco absorbing you know the emotions or the feminine side and the inner child and leaving just the conscious self alone and ultimately like rejecting it and rejecting this idea of the the self-augulation and the guilt and you know all, all the stuff we saw previously like like writing that letter to his mother as he was dying or realizing that like he can't keep going the way he's going uh after the whole hydro man thing or or just just trying to be a different person and and so that's what this comic is about this comic is ultimately about the the final and ultimate heel turn of of Sandman is it's him completely and totally not only giving up on on the idea and the notion of doing good, but excising it from his personality.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that's where it ends, but it. it... But he, he, they set it up in such a way that he just as easily like, okay, so he's not going to go off and be a superhero, but he's absorbed and like taken all these other aspects of himself. And it's like, he could just as easily go off and be, you know, just kind of a person, right? Like, it's not like he has to go off and do evil at this point or anything. Cause it's so muddled.
0: Well, he, I mean, he doesn't, but the idea is the, the base personality there is still that violent and sadistic um, you know, id personality. If we want to use again, you know, go back to the pop psychology. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I, I, but yeah, he's he's essentially rejecting the 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 idea of of the ego of, of something that will kind of rein in those id impulses. Um,
1: then which one was supposed to be the super ego? The super ego or is the the, the
0: feminine side.
1: The- that's.
0: I mean, yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't It doesn't fit in well. And I, I feel we've been talking about a lot of this, and I, I don't want to, like...
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's I not really like, where you like, want to go with it. It's not even where the story really ends up going with it. They kind of just make reference, and then to parse the story, you kind of need to make sense uh, using those indicators they give you, but they don't fully, like, I don't know. Like I said, this feels kind of not fully
0: baked. Right, so so the reason we keep bringing this up, this, this like pseudo pseudo freudian analysis is because the end has a monologue from peter talking to a comatose eddie brock or i'm sorry not eddie brock uh flash (laughs) thompson because that's that's where we are That would have been a twist (laughs) yeah i know right uh i mean i think i think eddie brock was also comatose at this point um anyway anyway but anyway (laughs) so what he says was like in the end, I don't really think that Sandman's, or that was Sandman's, quote, good side. I think it was probably some form of his ego not ready to face his uh, imperfections. And so, you know, it, it's, the language is there. And the language is very clearly put there for us to kind of guide how we're supposed to read this story. I mean, it, it's it's written text. There are no accidents. Um but, yeah, I'll agree that it's it's a little sloppy, and I, I don't really want to go into, like, a deep, deep Freudian analysis of this. Um, mostly because yeah. I've I've left those days behind me of <laughs> those undergrad. Uh...
1: <laughs> Fair enough. I just, yeah. So we get all these sides of the sandman they come together and he ends up walking away set up to be a spider villain again though with more baggage mm-hmm. i guess at least I, if i want to sum up the takeaway that's how i'm yeah i'm mean, trying to like yeah. walk away from this after
0: about like a, a few different pages of ads advertising all sorts of things like the 500th issue of fantastic four the first issue of spectacular spider-man volume two um and the mary jane prose novel we get sandman purchasing a bunch of oranges with some loose change and then as he walks away it turns out the change was actually made out of sand so um it's it's kind of yeah pointing to like yeah he's he's going back to just being kind of like a thug again like you know that he's he's we've turned back the clock we're not really going to have these complicated morality tales about sandman anymore it's kind of back to basics you know this guy is just a bully
1: why is he buying oranges though? He doesn't eat like oranges, does he? Maybe
0: he wants to throw them. Maybe I, I don't know. Or like, just, just some oranges. Maybe maybe. That's such a
1: weird. Um, that raises more questions than a lot of other stuff in this comic. I don't think it was intentional. No. I guess that's no. part of what bothered me there. Also, it's funny we did forget to mention that these were the last two issues of this volume of Peter Parker's Spider Man. Like this was the this was the end note. But we're also in an era where you know Spider-Man B books were popping up and down. It seemed like, and so they're moving on to another one. So essentially, it's just moving from being Peter Parker to
0: Spectacular mm. as the B books. With with, uh, so. with James and Ramos, yeah. Um. So, so okay, yeah. So we've gotten to the end of that one and. Uh, I, I felt I felt like it was a little a little messy getting here, but uh, it, it was a messy comic, and it was it was a little difficult to parse. So like you know you've got the evil Sandman absorbing all the other aspects of Sandman and leaving behind those like the the need to do good, kind of like how we got that Spider Man story recently from Spencer where. He divorced Spider-Man from the the need and feel to do or the or the impulse yeah. to do good. Um Ugh. similarly yeah. I felt like mishandled. So I don't know, maybe maybe this just isn't a story that can be tackled very well within the pages of spider-man um
1: well i i also i i want to tip my personal bias here part of the reason that i do feel these stories are so is because i've seen examples of this in superhero comics done so well if you look at the end of joe kelly's deadpool the play between t-ray and deadpool over wade wilson's identity is a very similar setup but it's played much stronger. Uh, Any core multiple man story is this sort of setup, but handled differently. Um, You know, broken aspects of a character, you know, fighting over whatever is just pretty common. And so when you see it just kind of handled in a messy way, it just, it sings weaker than if it was another kind of story like that, just because there's so many examples of that having been done so well before.
0: Okay. So, but then how do you feel about the art? Uh, I know we touched touched on it like at the top of the episode, but like now that we have finished the 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 story, any final feelings on the art, like positive, negative?
1: I. <sighs> It's weird. So this is the sort of stuff I do like in comics when I'm reading something that isn't superhero stuff. Like I like that exaggerated form that's not going to care about it being perfect anatomy, but like focus on what fits the story and do some cartoonish things. But I don't want it in my Spider-Man. And so it's this weird divide where I'm just like, this doesn't feel right. and This doesn't feel like a Spider-Man story to me simply because of the art alone, much less this weird fever dream of a story.
0: Well, all right. Well, because I, I feel a little bit like uh, you know, on on the opposite side, I, I feel like one, I would not like this if it was the ongoing. Like I can say right right now, if this was the regular artist, um, I I would not like it. But I think for this story, and just just for working on one story, and the fact that it's Sandman, so like the idea that his 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 mass is ever changing and can do all sorts of weird things and kind of like how we saw in number 22 like the whole melting thing that we kind of saw that the evil sandman was doing i felt like the art played really well into that and really helped with like the the unease and the bizarre and like the uncanny with the story i felt like that that was excellent and And both the writer and the artist played with each other so well in that regard.
1: I see what you're saying, and like, I see that aspect fitting it well the problem is is that spider-man's anatomy keeps changing and molding around stuff as well so the fact that sandman's doing that is lost Mm -hmm. i guess because everybody's doing it even like weird cops that show up you know unnamed characters kind of mold around every different frame so i don't know when the entire world's doing it uh, it doesn't feel like that's the sandman doing it and so like i feel the art didn't service the story in that way because of that but i can see where it could. and if you're focused on you know the glass half full as it were on that one yeah
0: okay all right well so i mean i feel like we've touched on on this as a spider-man story and like what it says about like the greater spider-man oeuvre Um, as far as like, you know, the, the continuity aspects and and then kind of just the metatextual ones as well. But like, was there anything else you wanted to add? I know, I know you said that like, this wasn't really what you wanted to see in a Spider-Man story before we started this. Did you wanna you wanna expand upon that here?
1: Um, uh, I mean, it just doesn't feel like a Spider-Man comic to me. When you, I mean, I feel like if you pick up and read any given page of this comic, you'd get where I'm coming from, because it's not like any average Spider-Man comic. And usually, that's kind of a good thing. You want some different, you want some special, but this one just didn't hit it for me. But it's an interesting aside. There's no doubt about that. Oh, what's also interesting to me, as far as this being a Spider-Man story, is this is a very interesting case where Spider spider-man fails completely
0: oh yeah like he he, like he fails to yeah he, he he fails to pull sandman back toward you know his good side he he you know the his consciousness if you want to call it that like his his Jiminy cricket just completely dissolves and goes away yeah like i mean he he fails you're right um and doesn't like i mean he ruminates on it a little bit like during that that monologue at the end but like really we don't see it because the, the chapter ends and no one really ever touches on the story ever again
1: yeah though we'll talk about it next episode i feel like there's almost a touch on it a nod but they purposely don't want to continue right this story as a part of continuity um inter- yeah interesting stuff for that mm-hmm. so since we're more split on this kane the question we should start with is do you feel the story should be reissued or untold
0: I feel, and like, I, I know I'm going to get blowback from you on this. I, I, I still feel like it should be retold just because, like, it's so unique and so weird that, like, I, I think it demands reading so that a person can form their own opinion on it. Like, I, I feel like the fact that you and I seem to agree almost 99% of the time, but on this one, we're so split. Yeah, we, we agree pretty regularly. And, and okay. and um it's it's also a really short read it's two issues and they're dirt cheap um
1: (laughs) well you're gonna need a bottle of advil for the headache and you know a little extra time to pour through um but reread a few panels because they make no sense the first time
0: (laughs) uh but like I, i don't know like it's it's like i I just feel like by by its ambition and it's it it demands to be at least viewed and appreciated um just because like so often in comics we don't get ambitious stories we don't get someone trying to go above and beyond and try something new and out there when they're given the space in these b titles where they 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 have like the whole spider-man universe they can play with and almost no eyes are looking at it because it's you know, the B title on the end of its run. Um, you know, it's just like, why not? You know, wh- why not give it a, like there, there are so many average to like semi decent Spider-Man stories you could read that aren't really trying anything new. They're just keeping the wheels moving. And there's nothing wrong with that. You have to do that if you're going to be telling a story for 65 years, or I'm sorry, not 65, uh, you know, 55 or how 70, how however long Spider-Man's been going, because I'm bad at math. Um, but, like, when, when we do get instances like this where they really try something out there, even if it doesn't work 100%, If it's still readable, like I think it is, and still like enjoyable and you can get something out of it, then yeah, sure, sure. Like, would I suggest this to a new reader? No. But like, again, this is an instance where if you are a seasoned Spider-Man, you know, consumer and you haven't read this one, this was one I would immediately tell you, go read that one it's weird Whoa. it's 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 you'll have opinions on it but it will it will either way it'll give you a reaction it will give you a visceral reaction
1: the only way i'd recommend this to someone is if they're like man i just read the max and i'm in the mood for a spider-man story
0: <laughs> okay <laughs>
1: uh, but no it's cool that you have this passion for it that i just I don't I just feel like this was playing with stuff and didn't really tackle what it, it, it bit off more than it could chew
0: like yeah yeah the, I, the
1: metaphor to go for
0: I, I will definitely say that like it didn't it didn't it didn't reach that uh, it didn't uh, fulfill its ambition maybe is the right way to say that like it it's it's not quite there it's, it's almost there maybe maybe it needed another issue maybe it needed another revision Um, it, it's it doesn't feel quite quite there But yeah, anyway.
1: So you called me on this last time. So I am going to go ahead and make an initial pitch for where this goes on the list. Because I feel there's a straight parallel to another story that we reviewed before in a character uh, fighting the good and evil within himself. And that is, of course, Spider-Man Century Down. Um, I felt like that Sentry comic had a lot more like interesting stuff in it playing with like the Sentry versus Spider-Man Um, so I would move it down on the list which would be right around Spider-Man Nights which we talked about in reference to this comic before too and I just feel like Spider-Man Nights was playing with a bunch of crazy stuff even if it ended up being kind of a you know hodgepodge there at the end I, I just feel like this slotting right under Marvel Nights is right where I put it on the list i was curious about where you see were. i was
0: also going to put it compare it to another uh, another story that we covered where there was like a disjoint between the quality of the art and maybe the quality of the story um so i was looking at family business oh. so i would probably slot it under family business um
1: so we have about half the <laughs> list uh as a
0: middle point okay all right okay well so let's just dive straight into the like the the middle of that the middle of those two points is final adventure okay um okay. yeah so this is a hard one this this is kind of a hard one to compare to the final adventure um but
1: well there's also some weird body horror
0: monster yeah, yeah there was but okay, okay representing
1: the evil of one. We'll, we'll, we'll do
0: it this this really easy way would you rather read this again or read final adventure again oh my god
1: that's what a terrible
0: <laughs> that's like a reverse sophie's I, choice where you don't want either of them <laughs>
1: It's funny. There's so. It's funny. There's so many comics on this list that are lower that I'd actually rather read than either of these. Um, that makes that hard. Because Final Adventure. Oh man. Um, I'm gonna say I'd rather read Final Adventure than this, just because the art was at least not giving me a. <laughs> so
0: so uh, you just you just like okay so you just hated. No, like the art didn't do it for you in this one is what you're what you're saying is that the art was actively painful okay, yeah okay well it's gonna be really difficult because i was really digging on this art um so
1: yeah no we this is i think the most divisive one we've done yet because this is something you were digging and i just i'm like how close to trouble can we make <laughs> it
0: uh so our our collaborative list is I would falling rather apart read this at this than one. Trouble. But, what
1: I'd rather read this than Okay, trouble.
0: well, there, there's that at least. See, I would have put this under tr- Although I think I'd rather read the short Halloween than this. Ooh. Um, okay, well, okay, so you'd rather read the short <laughs> Halloween. Um. What about what about that Marvel team-up annual?
1: I'd rather read the Marvel team-up annual. There's X-Men in it. There's all that fun stuff on the plane. Oh, man, then there's the Cosmic Carnage right above that. And cosmic Carnage was so much fun. Okay, uh, <laughs> I don't know i don't know like I, just, <laughs> I
0: don't want to see this at the bottom of the list because like
1: no 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 we we got a compromise i'm like eh, and you're like yay so um we had a so you would you rather read this than the final yes. adventure let's yes. put that on you okay um and you would be saying that all the way up till uh family yeah business? all about
0: up until about family business yeah Ugh.
1: Um. Okay. Well, if I'm trying to give this some merit, let's see if there's any stories I could. uh So I think I could definitely put this above Web of Spider-Man a nine pretty easily. But ooh, okay, ooh, there's our there's our child Soul of the Hunter, which actually is another good. Yeah, I was about to say. I was about story. to say.
0: Looking at Soul of the Hunter, actually, I would I would put Soul of the Hunter above this. Just. uh Comparing them just both to the idea of ambition and not quite necessarily reaching perhaps what they were going for, I think that Soul of the Hunter did still still manage to give its uh, ideas across better than this one did. The only th- the only thing that gives this like a leg up for me from Soul of the Hunter is that I like the art in this one better. But I really do like the art in Soul of the Hunter. I mean, it's it's good stuff. So and if you didn't like it, I, okay. I'll, I, I will I will concede and put this under Soul the Hunter. Okay. All right. I'll take okay, that. Okay, cool. There we go.
1: <laughs> Someday this is
0: going to come back to haunt oh, me. This I'm will. sure of it. All right. Um, great. Okay. Well, yep. That, that's last up on our Sands of the Hourglass is the modern Sandman stories, uh, Kemia's Castle, which is found in ASM 615 and 616. That was a reader request by um oh what was his name he he like he had a great name I'm gonna look it up real quick loading Gmail oh yeah here it is from uh, yeah the the name that was in the um in the subject line when he sent this email was from our greatest hater so you can't say that we don't listen to our fans even our greatest haters we deliver these fan requests so if you have your own fan request. Go ahead and send it in, and I promise we will get to it eventually. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, I mean, I think I think he first sent us this email in May. Yes, in May, <laughs> and here we are just now getting to it, but we, we had a lot to cover. Um, so Yeah, we had some initial plans. Yeah, yeah. We, well, we had Slinger's Month, we baby. We had Slinger's through.
1: Month. Yeah, nothing was more important than
0: Slinger's Month. <laughs> but, alright, yeah, so asm 615 and 616 and then after that our next what our yes next. next and then after that we'll be starting our new block which is snow day so make sure to check into the next episode to hear what those stories are going to be
1: and can spider-man save the kids from going to school <laughs> on a snow day <laughs>
0: all right well thanks everybody for tuning in you can follow the show on twitter and facebook for updates uh we also have that patreon um what's that price for that patreon matt
1: uh you know it's like 3.99 the price of what a comic used to be back in the days of yore before they jacked up the price again (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah and so for that three dollars and 99 cents you get access to our spider-man b title reviews where right now matt and i are just blowing through all those spider geddon b titles you get the amazing spider talks amazing spider-man reviews as well as access to our vip channel and our slack community the amazing spider slack we also occasionally drop some uh bonus episodes on that patreon we recently dropped uh, a our coverage on the short halloween there and uh we also just got a story a few weeks ago about mark's reuniting with his uh childhood copy of amazing spider-man 300 and the crazy stories surrounding that so if, if you want a little, a little bit extra, you know, if, you, if you're not tired of hearing from us at least once a week, you want to hear from us twice a week, then uh, go check that out. Uh, <laughs> and then if you want even more, uh, then $10 a month instead of that $3.99 a month gets you access to the Excelsior Club, which twice a year nets you commission artwork from Spider-Man artists. You can't get anywhere else. Also, I believe they just unlocked or unveiled a third tier uh, $20 a month gets that, those uh, art pieces colored i believe is is that the new one or
1: that is right so if you want to hop on and get that uh piece by ron friends but in color you can do that also are you ready for the fourth tier cane the, what's, what's the fourth tier on the patreon oh man if you put in a whole buckaroo you can talk to us directly on the patreon level of the spider slack which you could do with the other tiers but you know you could just do that too that's cool
0: Special thanks to the Ellie Match for providing our theme song. If you want to listen to more from them, you can check out the show notes for links.
1: Oh man, until Kane's feminine side manifests itself outside of his body and I start hitting on it, make mine untold.